0: Welcome to another edition of Troy Noon's is an Absolute Podcast. This is Dan Lyons. Uh, John is off today, but in his place we have James Zuba. James, how's it going?
1: It's going well. Filling in for John today. Uh, Got a lot to talk about on the hoops front. Obviously, Syracuse is coming to the end of its uh, non-conference gauntlet here with one game against Georgetown remaining before a few more uh, non-conference opponents. And then we're into the heart of ACC play.
0: Yeah, as you alluded to, uh, we just have the one, I believe, non-conference game left after last night's uh, interesting game against Villanova. Uh, Unfortunately, a a double-digit loss, although one that was pretty close throughout. I mean, SU was probably in the lead for, if not most of the game, then like a good, solid plurality of the game. Um, Had a lead at half. It was always pretty narrow. Um, But then at the end, uh, offensive rebounds, which were a problem all game uh, on the Villanova side for us, really, really killed us. Uh, slow rotations in the zone uh it seemed like the guys were out of gas what was your main takeaway what did you think was like the main factor in that not like a collapse but like that late game slippage that we saw uh for su
1: yeah that, that was a pretty good synopsis I mean I think that was really the game in its essence um my, my main takeaway is that I don't know if you caught it Dan at the end but but Jay billis said as Villanova was was dribbling out the clock Jay billis said Syracuse is going to figure this out and that's That's kind of what I was thinking too, right? Right in that moment, like that's what I was feeling like, okay, you know, Syracuse just got done playing back-to-back-to-back games in the Bahamas, came home, had you know a double overtime game against Indiana, went on the road at Florida State, and then you hit the road again, although it's a shorter trip, to play a top-10 team in the country. And I just felt like they ran out of gas. Like I think there was a little bit of – Mental fatigue, I know the players and coaches would never admit to physical fatigue, right? Um, but but I do think that there were some things to be encouraged about last night. I think they competed. I think they played hard for about 32 minutes, and then they just ran out of juice. And I think that, you know, Villanova just got on the glass, and they really took advantage. And that's really what happened in the final eight minutes there. But I think there was a lot to be encouraged about. Not one for moral victories, obviously. But, you know, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about after that game last night.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same place as you. Like, I don't want to totally, like, over-exaggerate uh, a, a loss to a really, really good Villanova team, a team that's been one of the five best programs in the country, probably higher than that, one of the three best programs in the country over the last five years. Um, at the same time, it just felt like a game that, like, we were in. Obviously, a big part of that was Villanova could not hit a shot to save its life for the first half. Um but then uh, to see it slip away was, you know, it's tough. It's it's a it's a rival slash former rival. It's a, you know, it was a chance for like what really would have been like a kind of a season resetting victory. Um, obviously, the Indiana and the Florida State wins are nice, but Villanova number six would have been a whole nother thing. Um, you mentioned just kind of like the team running out of gas. It, it's it's tough because like obviously we we kind of think of the zone as something that allows players to conserve energy a little bit, and at its best, it's like you know they still have to play really hard. But um, it's like a it's an excuse slash explanation for why Baham plays this really short rotation. Are, are you concerned long-term about the, you know, we're already down to like kind of that sits and a half man. Uh, do you think that that's a sustainable model, especially if we have these struggles from from the guys off the bench, like Frank, who, you know, plays a couple minutes, and, and Benny, who, you know, his role is really still getting carved out?
1: No, no, they absolutely have to get the bench going. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from the game is, well, one, they can't get beat on the boards like that. But two is they have to find a way to get some of these guys going. Chief chief among them is Benny. They've got to get him going um, somehow, some fashion, some way. They got to get him going. I think the catch twenty two with the schedule is that for for Beham, he's trying to win games, obviously, and he's he you know that's his job. His job is to try to win games. And Jimmy's a little bit more mature and developed right now from the forward spot. And obviously, we saw what he did against Villanova. Um, He was probably the you know, the biggest bright spot of the game was, was Jimmy Bayheim scoring and Syracuse just kind of going to that baseline runner, getting him the ball and going to one-on-one and taking advantage of matchups. But I, I think w- with Benny, you know, he's a freshman coming in. He's obviously very talented. They've got to find a way to get him going to the rim. Um, when he's gotten the ball on offense, he's really settled for his jump shot a little bit, just trying to, you know, like call his own number and get like, get himself going a little bit, but he's got to get going to the rim. And I think this, this, stretching the schedule is a really good time to get him uh, some more minutes here. When you, when you think about Georgetown coming up this weekend, and then the two more non-conference games against Lehigh and Cornell, I think Samir has shown you some things in spots. I think Frank has shown you some things in spots. I think there's a little more, more meat on the bone that they, you know, they're going to play a little bit better as the season goes along, but they've got to find a way to get Benny going for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I've said it in the last couple of weeks, like, if this was if this was me, if I was running the show, I'd almost just be kind of forcing Benny minutes. Like I, I think the key for this team, because the athleticism is such an issue, and like kind of a rare thing for Syracuse, the athleticism is usually not the main issue for the team. But this year, I think it is. Benny's so clearly that top end athlete that we're missing. Um, I would almost if I was if I was Jim, uh, and for so many reasons, I'm not. Um, I would almost be like, Hey, let's just, let's, let's drill down. Let's get Benny in the game for like at least 18 minutes, especially in these next to it in George Chen and Lehigh. Um, and, and try to find something because, uh, it, it, you know, I feel like to get through the ACC to compete with some of the other teams. And I know the ACC is down, but to really compete for an NCAA tournament, like you need to have Benny Williams as an integral part of the rotation. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. How, you know, yeah. if you think that cause I know Jim's, nature is to try to go win all of these games and I get that, but I almost feel like it's, you know, it's worth giving up like a weird half to just like get Benny out there uncomfortable playing.
1: Yeah. It won't make for a good podcast because I agree with you, but I think you're you're hitting on all the points there is like long term, what's the what's the weakness of this team right now? Well, it's it's been the defense. And I think the defense has stepped forward a little bit at Florida State and and at Nova too. I mean, I think it's totally fair to say Florida state and Villanova got some open looks and they just missed them. Right. But I think there's also been signs of improvement there as well, but it's still a weakness of this team right now. And the one guy who can really call that weakness is Benny Williams. I mean, we've seen some of the highlight blocks. He could do that. And I think he's probably your best option at forward in terms of defending and Cole's done a pretty good job on the rebounds, but you know, certainly Benny would help on the glass as well. So I think for the long-term viability of this squad, he's going to serve an important role, kind of limiting those weaknesses a little bit. Um, and, and I would point out today, too, he did say on the radio, like, he's he's not transferring. He said he's going to fight through it. And um, I actually interviewed him after the, the Indiana game. I didn't do anything with the interview just because there wasn't an obvious storyline. But in, in talking with him, I just said, you know, how, how's it going for you? And he kind of came back with, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, figuring it out. And I said... I, I followed it up with, you know, is there a learning curve? And he said, no, there's not really a learning curve. I just It's just kind of a matter of going out there and doing it. So, you know, maybe there is a learning curve, and he just doesn't feel like there is one. But I thought it was interesting that he just kind of said that th- there's not a learning curve. It's just a matter of me going out on the court and, and playing my game. And um, he, he said a breakout was coming really soon. Obviously, that didn't come in the two games that, that followed up. But certainly, uh, he's, he's not lacking for confidence, at least ostensibly.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was about to, about to bring that interview up. Um, so you beat me to the punch there. Uh, yeah, I was. I was super encouraged by that um, because you know it, it's a very understandable thing for players, especially freshmen five star players, now to just say like, if I'm going to play a second year in college, i will to do it with something else. Obviously, Syracuse has had a rash of transfers, and it and it's hard to blame them. Um, but it was very refreshing to hear Benny say, "I'm going to fight through this," and also very interesting to hear him. Specifically, say that like the Jim Beheim he signed up to play for is the Jim Beheim he's getting. Um, because we on the outside of the program, I think justifiably have some concerns about how Beheim's handled the roster the last couple of years. Obviously, losing Kadari last year was, was really tough, you know, putting aside what he's done at Seton Hall so far. Um, and and hearing uh, another like elite talent who is not getting the playing time you probably expected coming in. Say like no, I know what I signed up for. This is it. Like I'm, I'm getting coached the way I expected. It's just on me to to figure it out. That's very refreshing. I hope he gets the opportunity to do so. And we have you know a couple a couple games here, three games in Georgia Tech, and to start the the full run of ACC play. So probably four games where we can really hopefully see what he can do um, before we get to like Virginia and Miami and the heart of things. Um, another player, a player who uh, I guess is prone to slow starts, and hopefully that's all this is. Uh, Buddy Bayheim really tough game last night um while his brother was was awesome he really could not get anything going um I think he's had a you know some people have cited he's gotten off to slow starts pretty much every year at Syracuse are you are you chalking this whole start up to that or or do you think there's some more lingering concerns about his ability to really step into that number one option role
1: yeah tell you what I, I'm not worried about Buddy beham and I don't think anybody else should be worried about Buddy beham either um he's proven what what You know, he's proven over the last two, even three years to some degree. Uh, We know he's going to score. We know, I I think, you know, going into into that Nova game, I just wonder, and again, like a player would never admit to this, but I just wonder how the heavy minutes log has affected him. You know, I think of the three games straight in the Bahamas, he played almost every minute in the Bahamas. You come home and you play all 50 against Indiana, and then you play almost the whole game at Florida State and that one wide open three i think was telling cuz it just it came up short and it came up so short like it didn't even hit like the top of the rim it hit the front of the rim like buddy beham doesn't miss shots like that so i think i think maybe the legs have something to do with it but we we know buddy's going to bounce back i mean i'm not worried about him at all um i i don't know when you know he could very well have a good a good game against george on saturday but no i i don't it's only a matter of time before he starts playing the way that he does
0: yeah, I I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping for the same. Obviously, we saw Buddy get out to a really slow start uh last year when there were like pretty high expectations. Obviously, I think this year he entered this season with all sorts of accolades and and, you know, yeah. I think well deserved based on how he played in March last year. But um luckily, I do think like in these good performances we've seen, um, you have other guys stepping up. Jimmy, I thought was a revelation last night, as you mentioned. He I don't I can't think of like I was trying to pinpoint what Syracuse player he reminds me of, and it's so hard because he has such a such a, a herky-jerky, uh, kind of awkward, and I mean that in a good way, offensive game where he's scoring from all these different weird angles. He's all limbs when he gets into the paint. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't quite pin down like who he reminded me of.
1: I don't know if there's an obvious comparison, but the one that comes to mind is just Josh Pace with maybe an outside jump mm-hmm. shot. You know, not, not a lefty floater, but he's kind of got that like little righty hook. Um, He likes to go to that right-handed hook, the baby hook in the lane. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's probably, like, the the one that comes to mind. But it's not a one-for-one comparison because he's a better shooter than than Josh was.
0: Yeah, the the baby hook was, uh, I mean, until it stopped falling at the end, which, you know, at that point (laughs) it was kind of desperation time. But, man, if we could keep that going all year. And and then, obviously, the other real bright spot. um, Even last night early, he faded a little bit late. But Joe Girard has been spectacular this year. Um, Really has answered, like, all of the questions to this point. So while Buddy has struggled, I think you're getting some some really solid play, and it's a matter of kind of finding, like, a full seven-man rotation versus, like, a couple guys doing it here, you know, night, one night and a couple other guys doing it another night. So um, I guess, like, you know, we're still looking for, like, that complete performance. I don't think we've seen it so far.
1: Yeah, like, the offense on the whole has been pretty good. I mean, there's not mm-hmm. really much you could poke holes in. I mean, Cole Swider's got to shoot the ball better. I think he will with more time. Um, you know the bench could certainly produce a little bit more in scoring, and the the only thing you could really say about Joe, like he shot the heck out of the ball so far to start the season, but he's got to cut down on those those turnovers that just are kind of unforced. You know the one last night where he dribbled off his foot, and the one where he just kind of handed the ball out of bounds. If he could just cut down on those, he's he'd be fine because he's he's playing great um, outside of that. But really, like the offense has been great pretty much on the whole for for Syracuse all year.
0: Yeah, I mean Joe, it isn't even like the super aggressive you know, unfor- shots he shouldn't be taking. Maybe there's one of those last night, but it's he's really cut down on those. It is like those weird, like, literally just dribble the ball off his toe, Um, which is not him, like, but then he also has had, like, really creative passing. I think he's really gotten better in, like, every aspect. Um As you said, though, the defense is the more major issue. I'm looking at Ken Palm. After last night, Syracuse is 24th in offense and 147th in defense, which is... It's crazy how, how this team can ping-pong from, like, year to year. Obviously, the offense has been the better better side of things for a couple seasons now, but before we had like a two or three season stretch for the offense, you know, we were scoring 68 points a game and then defense was good. So um, just really interesting how Beheim kind of lets this thing roll with the players he has uh, for better or worse. Um, yeah. So since we're, we're just kind of talking on one game here, the one recent one, let's uh, I'll take it to an early halftime. Um, but before we talk about uh, drinks of which I think uh, a number were consumed last night, um, we are back, partnered up with our friends from Homefield. Homefield has some of the most comfortable, coolest retro college design shirts. There's a, a whole uh, cavalcade of Syracuse shirts for those who have not already purchased the entire line. There's a uh, great shirts, some others from uh, about every other school you could think of. There's a, a couple holes, but if you want your two lane shirts, your your UC Irvine shirts, your uh, sad UConn Husky shirts, for some reason, uh, you can go there. And uh, with this. Uh, through the holiday season uh homefield is running a couple of promotions it's free shipping for orders of 100 dollars and plus uh and they are currently doing a 12 days of teas promotion um so you may want to get those ordered soon with the whole holiday shipping concern um because christmas is just a couple of weeks away and uh i think we're on the back end of hanukkah now so yeah get those uh get those out there soon um as for the drinks of the day uh i know you know john isn't here to regale us with his uh, many many california beers um i've had a kind of a light week i've been working through some uh stuff i've been sitting on from treehouse i'm currently drinking a julius which james can see in my Mets cup um and then a couple of homebrews from some friends but it hasn't been a super heavy beer week i think i also had some stuff from ithaca last night when i was watching the game nice. uh, what have you been what have you been working on james yeah i actually have something to share uh
1: on monday night i had an amagang uh vanilla smoked porter it's fantastic it's a limited limited series i actually picked it up when i went to visit the brewery over the summer which is fantastic by the way if anybody ever gets a chance to go there uh in cooperstown definitely take the visit but um not not a huge beer guy as people on who have listened to me talk (laughs) on the pod probably know but uh definitely taste of you know vanilla and oak and uh maybe a little bit of bourbon too but it is it is like it's it's a nine percent so I'm not gonna lie, after I finished one, like I was feeling pretty buzzed after after just one. So I had to cut it off after that. But uh that, that,
0: definitely great. That is a that is certainly a winter beer. That is a yes. nice warm. I have not had that. I haven't seen that. Um I also weirdly have never been to Omega Gang. I, I would drink them all the time, especially up at Cuse. Um, I've never been to the brewery. Certainly need to check that off. I've never been to Tuperstab, which is weird as a lifelong baseball fan. So those are two things I definitely need to check off the list at some point. Um, hopefully in the summer because I know Omegan has a concert series they do up there. I've always I've always heard great things. Have not been so I will hopefully uh, do that at some point, and then we'll have plenty to report back afterwards on this podcast. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing. I know uh, glad you glad you had the homework ready there. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. No, it was good timing, actually, because I didn't even know I was going to come on the pod until you messaged me yesterday. So uh, it's great timing. But yeah, the, the brewery is awesome. Like if you're ever going to Cooperstown, it's a great day trip to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, if you could squeeze in gang too, and, and maybe the lake, it's it's definitely worth the trek out there. Maybe not somewhere I'd go this time of year, but in the summer it was. And I, I definitely grabbed a pack of that. So it's a, it came in handy for sure.
0: Awesome. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. I've not had that of all the Omega beers I've had. Um, going on to the second half, we're going to stick with basketball here since we have James on and he is our, our resident basketball expert. Um, I think one of the, the really glaring things, uh, not glaring, I guess one of the real, uh, other real bright spots of this season so far, which has been so up and down is the play of Jesse Edwards. Um, he was, was pretty good last night. He had some struggles at the free throw line, but overall, I think he's putting in like probably the best center season we've had since, I I don't know. I feel a little aggressive saying rack senior year, but that might just be the answer. I don't know what 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 would you, what would you say is uh, your main takeaway from these first uh, nine games of Jesse and and what are your main concerns for the center position because I think after that like I was I, last night I was really fearing uh, the foul out which I think has been the uh, a theme all year. Um, what do you think we can do to kind of keep him out of trouble and also bring along James, bring along maybe John Ball. I don't know what Sidibe's status is going to be all year, but. Um, he seems like both kind of like the key of the team right now and also someone we really can't afford to to have go down, but he's playing huge minutes and playing really well.
1: Yeah, spot on. I don't even think it's that aggressive to say that he's the best center on the team since Rakim Christmas. I mean, true true center. Um, you yep. know, Tyler Lydon has slid in that position and had success, and obviously Marek I took over last year, but he wasn't really a true center. So I, I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say that. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest concern with the center spot is – one, just Jesse's fouling. Uh, he's tried to work on that. He knows he's fouling. Uh, some of the early ones were kind of like the over-the-back ones. I think he's getting a little bit better about that. He's kind of, you know, when he doesn't have a chance to get the ball, I think he's just kind of giving up on the play, which is smart. He just kind of needs to do that. Um, but sometimes, like stretching out to the corner, he's got to do a little bit better job of, of avoiding fouls there, and um, he picks up some ticky tech ones. So that's that's concern number one. Um even even if Barama Sidibe comes back, I mean, i heard Stephen Fonte asked Jim Beheim on the radio what his status was. Um, obviously, we know Syracuse isn't going to disclose what the injury is, but it sounds like it's going to take Sidibe a little bit more time to get back. So I'm, I'm not expecting him back at any point. And, and even if he does come back this season, it's hard to think that he's going to be up to par with Jesse Edwards, certainly Jesse Edwards. And I don't know if he would be ahead of Frank Anselm in the rotation at this point either. Um, obviously the depth would help and maybe even in a, you know, a pinch situation, maybe you could slide Anselm over to the floor if you thought it would help, but I, it's hard to think that he comes back after not playing basketball in 20 months and he's just going to be in game shape and pick up where he left off. So, um, I, I wouldn't expect him back. And then, yeah, in terms of Frank, I mean, I think Frank can give you some, some good minutes, maybe eight, 10 minutes a game. If he can just come in and play defense and rebound, um, you know, the scoring would be nice. You know, he's, he's kind of good, Catching off the loud. He's not really like a low post player. Like, like Jesse, you could throw it into. And and I think Joe Girard has developed a nice little rapport with him off the screen and roll. But, but with with Frank, I think he just needs to come in and kind of, you know, give eight, 10, 10 good minutes, play defense and rebound. And that's, that's going to be his role this year.
0: Looking forward a bit. Um, I'm going through the schedule now. Obviously we have these three more non cons, and then we get into the ACC. Um, I guess it's like kind of a double-edged sword. The ACC, presents a lot of opportunities for wins because looking at the schedule we have one ranked team and that's duke who we played twice um there i think are looking at the the net ratings earlier which obviously mean very little right now but i think duke's the only team in the top 25 in those as well um are you are you do you think syracuse has opportunity to like really rack up some wins here or are you more concerned about yeah. the the lack of good wins the lack of of really like meet on the schedule? Um, when it comes to to Selection Sunday, like what's what's your bigger takeaway from the early ACC season so far?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna kind of cheat and say both, but but I do think if if I had to pick one, right, I, I do think it is a little bit more concerning that you don't quite have the opportunity to pick up the big wins because I I do think Syracuse is going to rack up wins this year. I do think they have a chance to finish higher in the league. Uh, really, since you know they they joined the league in the first year when they I think they finished second behind Virginia in the 2013-14 year. But I, I think that Syracuse will have a chance to get those wins. It's just, is that going to be enough down the stretch? Obviously taking some lumps here in the non-conference, which uh, makes, makes the Georgetown game and the, the two games after all, all the more important to you know kind of go 3-0 and through the stretch and then begin conference play on a strong note. But uh, definitely concerning, just given the ACC is down. And I, and I will say this. I, I told Andy Pregler this. Call me crazy. Syracuse plays Duke twice this year. I think they're going to win one of those games. Um, maybe I'm looking too far ahead right now. And uh, Dan, let me know if you disagree. But, but I think it's a good matchup for Syracuse just because Duke really struggles shooting the ball. Um, you know, Duke will have a chance to get on the rebounds, and that's where Syracuse is going to have to improve. But I do think it's a team that Syracuse could match up really well against, um, especially with all his outside shooting. So I do think that Syracuse is going to split that series. Uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, D- Dan, let me know if you disagree there.
0: Um, I haven't seen enough of Duke to know. I will take your word for it. But it sounds <laughs> like they may kind of be similar to that Villanova team last night. And obviously they, they hit some shots when it mattered. But what were they, five for 28 from three in the first half? I, I don't think Coach K is in, a, you know, in one of his final games and be like, all right, let's go shoot 53s tomorrow But uh, with a team that's not equipped for it. But if they get pulled into that game, and we've seen a lot of teams that are not great three-point shooting teams get pulled into the like, well, we're not going to be patient, so we're going to just bomb them um and that doesn't i mean sometimes it works but i think more often than not if it's not a great three-point shooting team that's not a great strategy so yeah if duke doesn't stay patient um and they get caught like trying to go three for three with syracuse especially if it's a a hot shooting day for the orange um yeah it's certainly a pathway to a possible win and we've seen syracuse split the series when they were big underdogs you know a number of times so far in the the acc history here so um yeah i mean i'm not gonna go ahead and predict a win over duke but it certainly doesn't seem um, that crazy, especially with a, a late game at the dome on the twenty on February twenty sixth. Um, so yeah, I mean that would obviously be, I think, probably a a real nice feather in their cap, assuming the rest of the ACC doesn't rebound. Um I'm hoping Florida State does. I, I'm gonna be a, a big seminal send for the rest of the year because that win could look really good come the end of the season. Um, but Duke's going to be interesting. I, 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 you know, I expect them to be the heavy favorites in the conference, but I don't know. It doesn't strike me from what I've seen from them so far. It doesn't strike me like a classic great, great Duke team. I think it's just a weird year in college basketball more so than anything. Like even Gonzaga, um, clearly doesn't look like the same team they had last year. Um, you have like a couple other teams rising up and then, and then falling back to the pack pretty regularly this season. So I think overall, maybe the one thing that like you can hang, uh, your Syracuse hat on is like. College basketball, I think, is just kind of down this year. So uh, yeah. the fact that Syracuse hasn't looked great so far um, may just be more indicative of, like, the full sport. Um, and maybe, you know, the, the, the door remains really open for them to put together, like, a pretty high win mark uh, this season, higher than we've seen in a couple of years, as you said.
1: Yeah, th- this is the time of the year where we come in with all the cliches and all the trite things to say about college basketball. But but I do, I do think that's true, that, this might be a year where there are no great teams and, and sometimes that does become overused and I, I hate saying it, but it, it really does feel like that. You know, Duke already beat Gonzaga um, and then lost to Ohio state. So, I mean, I think that's just kind of indicative of where we are in college basketball. Um, obviously the ACC is exceptionally down this year, but I don't think there are any great teams this year. Uh, when you look at, you know, the, the entire landscape, I mean, UCLA looks to be pretty good, but they have already taken on some losses. Um. Uh, well, w- excuse me. One loss to Gonzaga. Um, P- Purdue. Purdue might be the closest thing to the best team in college basketball. If uh, anybody's watched them this year, they look like the real deal. But I-, I do think it's kind of a year where college basketball is down, and just anybody can win. It always seems to be the case in college basketball, but especially this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's it's kind of almost like an extension of last year's tournament, where like obviously Gonzaga got to the to the final as the number one seed, but like. You know, Baylor, while they were really good all last year, it wasn't like they were a super trendy pick to win it all. You had UCLA coming out of nowhere. You had the Oral Roberts situation. So, um, you know, in some ways, I think those are some of the most fun uh, tournaments. I don't know that it's always great. You know, I, I think if you were to ask, like, the ESPN folks, they probably would say, no, we want some really good teams, please. Um, but, you know, the, the the thing that everyone pays attention to is the tournament. So if we get a tournament out of it, I guess it all it all works out. It works out for CBS, at least. Um, moving back uh, to, to wrap things up here quick. We'll keep it short tonight since we really only had one game to talk about. Um, uh, we have the Georgetown game on, on Saturday at noon, kind of staking up on people as we get further and further from the Big East years. Uh, Georgetown has not looked very good this year. Uh, they're setting a three and four record. They have losses to Dartmouth. Uh, uh, you know, San Diego State's respectable. That's a good program. Uh, St. Joe's, uh, not your father's St. Joe's. And uh, at South Carolina last night, uh, they had uh, a narrow win over Longwood before that. They had uh, a comfortable-ish win over Siena and, and American. That's fine. But uh, again, Georgetown, like for as down as Syracuse has been, Georgetown uh, kind of takes a the take. They have a UMBC game before they play us, uh, so we'll learn a little bit more about them. Uh, what do you see from the Hoyas so far this year, and do you expect this one to be the same frustrating Georgetown game that we get no matter how good we are and how bad they may be? <laughs>
1: No, I, I know Ken Pom, you know, has it a, as a close game and Syracuse only winning by one. But I, I just don't see that, um, especially after, you know, Syracuse has kind of been battle tested here early. I think they've seen a lot of better teams than Georgetown and they're they're going to get out of there with a win on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Georgetown already four losses and, and two of them, they haven't even really been close uh, with San Diego State and South Carolina. Uh, lost to St. Joe's by three. They don't really do a ton well. Um I guess they, they shoot threes at a decent clip. So I think that'll be a huge key to the game on Saturday, Uh, but they don't shoot it well overall from the field. Um, They turn the ball over a little bit too much. Their defense isn't great. Uh, Teams are scoring against them. So I just, you know, I won't be totally surprised if Syracuse drops the game, but I do think that, you know, I'm I'm 95% sure Syracuse is going gonna, is gonna to come out of there with a win on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I, I know Georgetown made a tournament last year, but I think it was just more indicative of kind of getting hot at the right time and, um, you know, winning the Big East tournament to get in the field of 68. But I just – I don't see it with this Georgetown team this year. I'm I'm not totally impressed with what they've put out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a tough start for them. Um, as you said, they do shoot the ball fairly well. They're at over six, 36% from three. Uh, they have four guys in double digits. Who's your Who's your main concern on this team so far?
1: Yeah. I, th- I think it starts with Dante Harris. Um, you know, he's a guy that could really kind of mix it up. Um, I mean, he's scoring a little bit for them. He has the highest usage percentage, so he's a guy that could get going, but I think if, if Syracuse just comes out and they they continue to improve with the zone, uh, I think that'll be a big key just because they do kind of shoot it. Well, I think if they can just kind of limit those shots and kind of keep scrambling like they did against Villanova, I know Villanova got some open ones, but if they, uh, you know, kind of keep scrambling at least get out and contest the shooters and if they get rebounds, I think this game's gonna they're gonna win this game handily um, I just think Syracuse is gonna be a little bit too much for them on the offensive end just because um just because the Georgetown doesn't defend as well as uh, some of these other teams have
0: yeah so you said handily do you have a, a quick off the tough store prediction for this one
1: I think Syracuse' is gonna win by ten. Uh, I think it's gonna be right. a four possession game i just I don't see it with this Georgetown team I just know that uh the Syracuse offense has has carried the the team through through you know, really these first eight, nine games. Um, and I, I don't think they're going to have too much trouble scoring against this Georgetown team.
0: I, I think for some reason, I'm just, I'm kind of burned by this series. We just seem to always play them so close, no matter what happens. Um, and it's going to be at Georgetown, which, you know, isn't usually the, the great. I mean, there'll be plenty of Syracuse fans there if I had to guess, but, you know, their, their fans do get up for this one game that we've had every, every year or so. Um, I think it'll be slightly closer. I'll take Syracuse by, by seven on the road um one of those kind of similar to the Florida State game where it kind of vacillates between like Syracuse is up big and then closes down but um I do think they'll pull it out which will be nice a nice way to to get into the final legs of the non-conference stretch even if Georgetown's sitting down on like the mid 100s and 10 palm and isn't like a a huge threat or 116 so not great but not not terrible they're in like the Nebraska range which is not generally where you want to be for college basketball or football recently um yeah i think that's all we have for today um obviously we will be keeping our eyes on that game uh before we get to uh the final couple we have um that'll be the only game before john and i talk next weekend or next week we have lehigh the following saturday so a nice break for the su uh team after as you alluded to earlier like a really kind of a grind between this uh the, the overtimes and it's indiana and then that trip to florida state uh james you have any final thoughts here
1: No real final thoughts. Uh, I'll be down there in DC this weekend covering the game for us. So that'll be exciting. Um, I've done two of these games now. And yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, I think the Georgetown fans really get up for this game. Uh, Decent Syracuse crowd, but still, you know, usually a pro Georgetown crowd. So. It should be exciting. We'll get all the same storylines as we did, you know, coming into the Nova game with, you know, the old Big East and how these teams need to play every year. Um, Of course, Syracuse and Georgetown do and probably will for as long as Jim is the head coach. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll get all those sort of storylines, the old Big East, and that that talk will continue, and then Syracuse will kind of get two easy ones at home before uh, conference play begins in earnest.
0: Quick one before we go. Do you think this is the last Syracuse-Georgetown game with Patrick Ewing as head coach?
1: I thought you were going to take that in a different
0: direction and ask about the Syracuse head coach. Uh, I have no doubt this will be not the final game with Beheim. I, 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 you know, I, who knows with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to see how Patrick Ewing recovers from this. I mean, not that you ever want to talk about somebody's job or job security or anything like that, but it's, it's hard to see him kind of recover from this. I know he made the tournament last year. Um, but that was really just more indicative of of them kind of winning the Big East tournament, kind of getting hot at the right time. But, um, you know, he was 13 of 13 last year. That's obviously not a good year, not the year that they want to have. So I just I think they're going to have to move in a different direction after this year. He hasn't really had much success there. And uh, it might be more telling of the Georgetown job than it is of Patrick Ewing. But uh, I do think they're going to move on from him after this year.
0: All right. Yeah, I think last year probably saved him for a bit. But But, you know, if they if they go under 500, I think it's going to be tough to defend um but yeah thanks for uh thanks for joining me at kind of last minute here james uh, really appreciate it uh, and enjoy your time down in dc this weekend
1: will do pleasures on mine though thanks dan
0: appreciate it and everyone thank you for listening uh we will be back next week and go orange